There you go, a little Christmas fun this morning. When we, uh, when we think about these Hallmark movies, one of the things we think about is it's often about presence. Not presence like gifts, but presence being among people that you know. You know, quite often these shows start off with a New York executive or something like that, going back to their small hometown where people know them and their families and, and they know their names. And, of course, it's about finding love and learning that money isn't everything. But presence is what we would all like to feel in this season. We like to sense presence. We like to be among each other. That's why we're here, to celebrate the birth of Christ and why we're, we carefully gather, maybe, with others in our families. Because presence, we know, can be life-changing, specifically when you're present with the right people, with the right person, with the right church, with the right God. See, more this year than ever, we need a reminder of God's presence, a reminder that God is with us, that God is Emmanuel. And that's exactly why we celebrate Christmas. We remember that Christ is with us no matter where we go, no matter what we do. And one of my favorite Christmas passages comes from John 1, because it tells so much about what happened when Christ came down to us. And it starts off this way. You can read it behind me. You may want to open your own Bibles or perhaps a Bible app. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. We had to memorize this when I was in my Greek class in college. NRK en halagos prostantheon. So I can give it to you in Greek. It sounds much more poetic, doesn't it? NRK en halagos prostantheon. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made, nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Some of you need to hear that over this past year. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not. Everybody say, has not. Has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome the light. There was a man from God whose name was John. Not me, different John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's us, amen? Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Here's where I want to park a little bit this morning. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Other versions will say tabernacled among us, lived among us, tented among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, we all know this has been a little bit of a strange season. We think of this Old Christmas carol, O Holy Night. There's a lyric in that carol that 
just may resonate with you. It says this, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Do you feel weary this morning? You're not alone. A wearied world rejoices. This is the moment that we take to rejoice in the birth of Christ. You could even say that being weary and worn out is an acceptable place to approach this Christmas season. Because Christmas exists to remind us that while darkness surrounds us and troubles exist, this season brings hope. It may seem distant. It may even seem impossible this year for you to keep feeling hopeful. You may have lost your job. Or maybe you're feeling isolated from those that you love. You may have even been grieved at the loss of a family member or a friend. Looking around, all you may see is darkness. If you try to adjust your eyes, blinking into the night, there just seems to be no light. The weight of sickness, the weight, the heaviness of death, the weight of injustice and pain just seems to heavily weigh on our shoulders. Or maybe you're just tired. Maybe you're just numb to all that's going on. You're ready to pull the covers over your head and try this whole Christmas cheer thing next year. Don't feel guilty. Instead, acknowledge the very real darkness of this world, and you'll have eyes to see Christmas through the same lens that people had when they were waiting for this Messiah to come. Put yourself in their shoes, the Israelites, after having gone through all that they've gone through, after being subjected to Rome, over 500 years had continually prayed, please come, Lord, send the Messiah now. And if you feel yourself weary, you find yourself in good shoes. In between the promise of a Messiah and the fulfillment of the prophecy, there was a long wait. It's the reason for the, the song that we sometimes sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. It was a long wait. 500 years of waiting for this Messiah to come while it seemed dark all around. For 500 years, their last prophet was Malachi. The people of Israel hadn't heard anything from God about this Messiah that they had long waited for. God's chosen people must have cried out to him again and again, asking how long it will be till they'll see the salvation of this Messiah. It was too dark, and God seemed to be silent. Has it felt that way for you this year? Though he may have felt far away to them, God was so much closer than his people ever knew. Why? Because he was gently planning the entrance of Jesus Christ into this world in a very unexpected way. The plan was to send that Messiah. And many people in this season and in this time would say that it seems that God is absent. I want to say it this way. The absence of God 
is not so much about God leaving people behind, but more about people leaving God behind. In other words, if it feels like God is absent, it's often because we do not give him place in our lives. Or we've relegated him to Sunday mornings. But scripture declares in James chapter 4, 8, it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So if God feels distant, what's happening here? If he says that he will come near to you when you come near to him, what happens when you begin to go further from him? You get further away. People of Israel, relationally, they kept pushing God away to go after other gods, to live their own way, to do what everybody else was doing. But yet God still chased them and he still loved them. And no matter what path you've gone down today, no matter what decisions you've made, he still loves you. He still pursues you. He still loves me. And he still loves you. But what happens when we push God away, when we push him out, when we begin to believe that there's no right or wrong, that nobody can define it, that people are of no value? When we think of the impact of things like evolution, it's all about survival of the fittest, the strongest survive. And if you begin to say that there's no right or wrong, then what right do we have to say that something like the Holocaust was wrong if there is no God to say that it is? Isn't this just survival of the fittest, the strong, overtaking the weak, and making people stronger? What moral code do we follow? Who decides what that moral code is if there is no God? Who makes the choice? What about the murders of masses of people under Stalin, under communism, a nation that taught that there was no God, that the nation would save them, that communism would save them. Therefore, they teach that there is no value to human life. Albert Einstein put it best. He said, God did not create evil. Just like darkness is the absence of light, absence of light, evil is the absence of God. I'll read that in because I think you need to let that sink in for a moment. God did not create evil. Just like darkness is the absence of light, evil is the absence of God. You see, but we know that God is not absent. Yes, many of us and many people, even in our nation, have relegated him to the sidelines. He's sitting on the bench, and we wonder why we're losing the game. See, when we push God out of the picture, which has been tried by communists and socialist governments, the results are not good. Darkness pervades, yet according to what we read in John 1, darkness has not overcome the light. The light is Jesus Christ. That's who we've come to celebrate today. That's who we continually celebrate all year round, but especially his coming. You see, despite the best efforts of people to push God out of the picture, he remains. He is present. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. There's a French philosopher, his name was Voltaire, and he was an atheist that hated God and hated the Bible. But near the end of his life, he claimed 
that Christianity would be gone within a hundred years and would be stamped out and known as only a relic of history. Voltaire died in 1778, and in God's irony, within 25 years of Voltaire's death, his mansion housed the Geneva Bible Society. His former residence is now used to turn out Bibles. Who stamped out who? Reminds me of a shirt I saw when uh, a philosophy major was wearing this at college at, at, at Wheaton. I remember in chapel seeing this shirt and just thought, thought it was the funniest thing. If you're not familiar with some philosophers, there's one named Friedrich Nietzsche, and he's the one that declared God is dead. That's usually the big famous you know, phrase that most people use for him. And so this philosophy major had on one side of his shirt, it says, God is dead, and it was signed, Friedrich Nietzsche. On the back side of it, it said, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. <laughs> I want to get that shirt. I haven't seen it. That would be a good one. But why did Jesus come to live among us? What was the point? We all know that he came so that we could be saved. He came for our salvation. He was the Messiah. He was sent to save people from their sins, to save you and me from our sins, so that we could live in true spiritual freedom and not in bondage. This is why in Matthew 1.23, we see the angel declare to Joseph that they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Son of God was sent to reveal his Father's thoughts and heart and his word to the world and to save us. This is why the angel instructs Joseph to name him Jesus, Yeshua, which means God is salvation, because he will save his people from their sins. You see, to hope in God is to be patient with God. It is believing that the facts are not all in. It's believing that the story isn't done being written. It's believing that there is something still yet to be revealed that, has, that still needs to be uncovered. This is the hope that we carry into 2021. You see, God's presence has been represented in many ways all throughout Scripture, from Old Testament to New, from the Hebrew Scriptures all the way through the New Testament. And this isn't going to be comprehensive, but let me give you a few examples of that this morning. For Adam and Eve, it meant physical presence because they walked and talked with God in the garden. For Abraham, God's presence was represented in a promise to make him the father of many nations. For Moses and the Israelites, God's presence was represented in a pillar of cloud and fire. God's presence was represented by the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle. As long as it was with them, it represented God's presence among his people. It tabernacled among his people. God's presence was represented in the temple of Jerusalem, this big, grand place where they worshiped the Lord and made sacrifices. God's presence was represented when he sent his one and only son, who is fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ, to live among us, God in the flesh. See, God's presence was represented when Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected. And he promised one more sign that his presence would live among his people. He said, don't go anywhere until I send my Holy Spirit upon you. And his presence is represented in the Holy Spirit that fills us today. Now his presence 
isn't in this church building. It's not in a tabernacle made by hands. It's not in a clergy. It's not in a denomination. His presence lives in you and me. Colossians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29 says, And this is the secret. You want to know the secret? Here it is. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. The secret is Christ lives in you. He's no longer tabernacled in a place or in an ark. He's right here. We are carriers of Christ. We are carriers of his Holy Spirit. Why? Because he is in us. And since you are a carrier of Christ, every situation you walk into should change. The atmosphere should change. Even in dysfunctional families, there's a power in the presence because you are the carrier of Christ. You are bringing him with you into each and every one of those situations. I've heard it put this way, and I, I really like the, the idea here. You need to be more like a thermostat rather than a thermometer. What does a thermometer do? It takes the temperature of the room. Nothing more, nothing less. Or outside. But what does a thermostat do? You set the temperature. You make the change. And so if we find ourselves being more of that thermostat that walks into situations where things may seem a little cold, maybe for some of you that's your family. For others it could be neighbors or family or friends. Become the thermostat. You set that temperature. You make a difference. Don't let them influence your thermometer. Don't be a thermometer. Don't let them influence you. So you need to be more like a thermostat rather than a thermometer. See, God didn't call you to respond like a thermometer. He called you to regulate the temperature. You set it. Another way you could say this is don't hate, regulate. Don't hate, regulate. The incarnation represents Jesus living among his people. And aren't we thankful for that today? Aren't we thankful that we can experience his presence wherever we are, wherever we go, in our car, in the church, wherever we go, into the store, wherever it may be, at work? You see, he could have stayed in heaven, but he came down to being among his people. You know what? He's calling his followers to do the same. He's calling his followers to step out of our comfort zone, to stretch, to be among people, to be the thermostat, to be for people, to love people. This is the plan as we're moving forward with this upcycle store that we're doing here in North Falmouth that will help fund our, our outreach ministries and help fund different things that are going on in our community. It will give us a place in our community and take down the walls that often get erected to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our goal for this next year is to raise $12,000 just for the rent and utilities for the year. We have 2,123 in so far, and that's just after a few weeks. So we haven't been in, in this very far. 
and every little bit helps. We would like to do that so if we pay the rent, then whatever we make can go right back out. As we celebrate God with us this Christmas, we also celebrate God in us. God working through us. You see, when we do things for the least of these, Scripture says it's as if we are doing it to God himself. It is there that we find our true word and our true reward. Want to know more about this? Read Matthew 25, where Jesus separates the sheep and the goats. And there's some that he said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was in prison and you visited me. And they said, well, when, when did we do that, Lord? And he said, as you did it to those, to anyone else, as you did it to other people, you did it to me. And on the wrong side of the equation, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. I was unclothed and you didn't give me clothes. You didn't visit me. Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. As you didn't do it for those others, you didn't do it unto me. See, not only did Christ come, Emmanuel, God with us, his word says that he also promises to always be with us. Matthew 28, 20 says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the Bible teaches that at the end of the age there will be a time when we'll be completely and fully in his presence. Why? Because this is a hopeful anticipation of not just the first coming where Christ came as a child in a manger, but where Christ will return as Lord. There will be a second coming of Jesus Christ. Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, gives us a glimpse of hope when we see what's going to happen in that final age when Christ returns to this earth. It says, then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. Isn't that powerful? That not only do we celebrate the coming and the birth of Christ, and when he came the first time, but there's going to be a second coming where God's home will now be among his people forever. No pain, no tears, no death, no sickness, no disease, no politics, no COVID, no separation, no division, no hurt, no anger, no lies. His first coming was just a foreshadowing of the coming 
of the, the time to come, the second coming. You may be here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you recognize that you need the presence of God in your life. Maybe you've pushed them away. You've kept them at arm's length. You've found yourself further and further and further separated from the Father. And the lack of God in your life has led you down some paths you wish you didn't go down. And you've felt the consequences of living life without God and doing it your way. You've repeatedly pushed him away to go your way. This morning, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, the moment in time where we celebrate the coming of Christ, this is your day to experience the presence of Christ personally in your life. It starts with recognizing that you have sinned, and we all have. And being sorry for that sin and asking for forgiveness. It's as if you had this huge whiteboard that every sin that you ever had done were written on that whiteboard. Everything. Every last detail. As embarrassing as it would be. And you say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. And that whiteboard comes completely clean without a single mark on it. And your life starts over again. starts fresh. Sure, there's still consequences and there's things to deal with, but Christ promises to be with you to the end of the age. It's a great time to give your life to Christ and receive the greatest gift of Christmas. And that's not a baby. That's not gold or money. It's not frankincense and myrrh. But it's the salvation that only Jesus can give. If you would like to take that first step this morning, I'd like you to pray with me this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord Jesus, Please forgive my sin and forgive my past. Make that whiteboard as white as snow, as a fresh fallen snow. Make me new. Give me a new start beginning today. I want you to take up residence in me. I need your presence. Thank you this morning for your gift of salvation. I receive you today in Jesus' name, I pray, amen, amen. And if you said that prayer, I just want to make you aware of a free app that you can get on your phone with the Bible, different Bible versions. It's called YouVersion, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. You can download that for, that for free and you can look in the devotionals and they'll have something called First Steps for New Believers. I want to encourage you to download that today and begin your start with Christ. If you live close, we'd love to see you here to continue to grow in your faith. And if you're far away, find a good church in the area that you can serve and continue to grow in your faith. This is just the first step for you.
God bless you. This is really a means of celebration, a means of joy to come and give your heart to Christ. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand here in this moment as I pray this over you and as I read this passage over you in this church as well. It's from Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. May this be said of us and our church in this new year. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this, this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. This week, celebrate Christ among us. Celebrate Christ in us and show the love of Christ to every person you encounter. Be the thermostat, not the thermometer. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas season. We'll see you on Christmas Eve Eve. God bless you. Amen.